Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 124th episode of the Hunger Games Podcast. We are powered by AFIT.net and Audio Technica. I'm your not so humble host, Brendan White. You can be found everywhere at Brendan8Bit. And joining me today, two of the regular three-piece feed aficionados, Miss Ali Hart, who can be found at Miss Ali Hart, and Salim Abraham, who can be found at Salim TD. But taking this three-piece to a family feast today, we've got a very special guest, Luke Lancaster can be found at LG Lancaster on the Twitters, head of content creation at PAX, as well as a whole host of other things we'll be talking about shortly. How you doing, man? And also, regular troop, how are we all today? Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first since I was asked first. Just hold on, guys. It's fine. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm under-caffeinated and we have a PAX in a week and a half, but things things are good. Things are good. You still have all your hair. I st- it's still I do. there. So obviously you're not working hard Look, I've enough. I've seen my future and it looks like Guy and I'm not happy about that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll say one thing too. You can't be too stressed. I don't see that giant sort of vein across the forehead running there pulsing based off pack stress levels. So I don't think it's hitting you just yet. Oh, it's so, a uh, shitty we'll... webcam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to sort that out. So we're here, 124th episode. It's going to be a little bit of a different flavor than our usual uh, pods. We've still got a little bit of news that we'll bake in at the back, but we thought we'd make this a bit of a, a PAX focus, sort of talk about the ins and outs of the event, some things to look forward to, and so on and so forth. But um, I guess first and foremost, this is your first time here at the old uh, Hungry HQ, Mr. Lancaster. Tell us about yourself. Tell us some gaming chops. Maybe maybe tell us what you call home in the gaming space. What's your comfort food for video games? Oh, video games specifically? You're limiting me there. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling well, hemmed in. Let's give you, let's give you a wide, wide net to cast. Then, what's um, your comfort foods? Oh, look, the one that I will always, always go back to. So, number one gaming pick, and I will argue anyone who says Ocarina is better is Majora's Mask. It is my favorite <laughs> video game of all time. Okay. Um, I will play through that, you know, every year or so. Um, especially now that it's on DS because I can just pick it up and go. Uh, but I've been playing games for shit 20 years now um god that's depressing uh no that's that's i'm i'm probably 25 28 years so uh yeah i I got you there yeah um but i'll i'll play bits of everything like pc console i'm a massive tabletop gamer um and i find most of what i've been playing lately is tabletop stuff because you go out you hang out with friends it's it feels more social than sitting at home in a cave with a controller not that I don't mm. like my controller cave, but... I like my cave. Yeah. Mm. I'm not disparaging the cave. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, this year has been very kind of tabletop heavy. Um, a lot of like D&D role-playing stuff. Yeah, because we, we, sh- we should sort of interject, I guess. Uh, Vinny Cupcakes in I Speak Giant. Cu- Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> no Warlock on I Speak Giant D&D podcast on the 8-Bit Network. Check it out. Shameless plug. Beautiful. Um, My work is done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cross promotion. 
I think to uh to maybe paint a picture for the people at home, I'm looking at your your camera feed, and literally behind you it's is my a shelf board games. Yes, full of board games and D and D books. Yeah. So you you're definitely speaking the truth. It's pretty yeah. obvious that that's your jam. Um, What's your favorite tabletop game, mate? Oh. Don't make me choose. Um, if you had to pick one, if you were on a desert island with only us. Desert island table. Uh, no, see, that's different because you've got to tailor a tabletop game to the group. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. All right. What, what about a really conflict-oriented group? Like a group that's always at each other's <laughs> group throat. group who absolutely hate each other? Um, it, it's got to be Chinatown. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't played Chinatown, it's good Monopoly. Um, Ooh. I yeah. love Monopoly. Okay. You, you had me at Monopoly. You're wrong. Oh, no. Um... So it's like a trading game uh, where you get different properties in... It's like Chinatown in, the, in California in the 70s. So you get different properties on the board and you've got to like make the biggest strings of similar stores that you can make. But the rules for trading in that game are just, this is the trading phase trade. Like nothing is right. hemmed in, no deals are off the table. So it gets savage with the right group. And it's, it's amazingly fun. Mm. Is there a phase where I hit Brendan up for protection money? You can if you want to, yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. From I'm who? On. Mate. From who? The bank is closed, Dream. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done looking after your ass. Yeah. Um, but in terms of claim to fame, I was the state champion of the Star Wars LCG two years ago. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> nice. They're the miniatures, right? The, like, it's like um. Oh, no, no. That's, um, that's X-Wing. What's that's that? That's X-Wing. Um, it's that's like it. a dogfighter oh, okay. game. Right. Also I've really seen cool. that. I'm going to spend an hour talking about board games, guys. You've done something that's terrible right. here. Strap in, listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I've been playing games for as long as I can remember, pretty much. Um, a lot of board game stuff this year. Still smashing WoW, which I shouldn't be, but I am. Oh, nice! Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm I'm hitting that heroin as well. Yeah. Every time there's a I'm new gonna... expansion, I'm back for a month or two. It's so hard. You can't avoid it. And this is, I think, this expansion has particularly been really good. The leveling yeah. in this expansion is phenomenal. Yeah, I've just been leveling characters because, like, the quests on, like, in all the new zones are so good. Um, especially yeah. the alliance side. So fun. Annoys me a bit, but you know, board will be good again someday. I just heard the unanimous groan of our listeners across the continent then. It was like, oh, more wow talk. My goodness. We thought so it was done. Dream stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so so outside of that, I know you uh, do a few other bits and pieces. Tell us about the bad guys. Uh, yeah. So um, actually, I can give you guys a bit of a scoop here. Uh, bad guys was the first webcomic that I made uh, with a guy called Orlando Caicedo, who's an amazing artist, used to work on like Frisky Dingo and Archer. Mm. oh wow yeah yeah Yeah. um and we made a webcomic together called the bad guys which is kind of like a heist movie thing but with superheroes so we took essentially the flash's rogues gallery so all the flash villains who team up to screw over the flash because he's stupidly overpowered and they can't do anything made them more incompetent and had them try to rob him (laughs) uh that's that's amazing have you got have you got a have you got a king shark equivalent in there um we did have a guy who was in prison who turned into a shark. We do. We do do yes. that. Um, <laughs> Love me some King Shark. But that's uh, up on Webtoons. You can go read it now. It's all free. So definitely check it out. Uh, we are in pre-production on our next series right now. Uh, nice. Which is cool. called nice. Pounds. And without going too far into it, it's like a super-powered MMA pro wrestling kind of thing. Ooh. You, <laughs> I, I'm... 
I'm front and center saying, take my money right about now. That's that's sort of my guilty pleasures all rolled into one. And I like with the bad guys, you can see sort of that, that Archer art style, but also it's sort of got a bit of a Borderlands vibe to it as far as the character shading and, and the models yeah, go. Yeah, <clears throat> Um. So Orlando obviously brought his distinct style to it, so it wasn't exactly the same as the weirdly kind of realistic stuff you get in Archer. Um. Mm. But mm. he's amazing. Please do check it out. We had a lot of fun making it. Hope you enjoy reading it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, PAX. PAX. You are the man at PAX now for, would you say you've been there now for 18 months? Would I be correcting about that assumption or is it even uh, less? Around about that, yeah. I think I started late July, early August last year, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, content manager for PAX as well as Oz Comic Con. Yep. Um, what What does your, I guess, day-to-day look like? Um for for that content manager role so i guess the day-to-day everything i do feeds into curating the show experience for someone who comes to pax or comic-con so the way it will work is putting together all our free play stuff uh curating the panel schedules in the theaters all the little feature areas that pop up working with publishers on how to kind of come to the show what they should bring ways to get the most out of like the pax experience because we really try to drive the message that, you know, PAX is not E3. It's not that kind of show. It's it's mm. super community-focused. It's not necessarily about big announcements. Obviously, we're going to have, you know, up-and-coming new shit playable on the show. Sorry, I'm swearing. I'm allowed to swear, right? Uh, you, you can you say can whatever you, you like. you are allowed yeah. to swear. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck like, yeah, PAX. Fuck yeah. Yeah, fucking PAX. Um, <laughs> new stuff to play. That'll be the quote at the bottom of this episode. Fuck yeah, PAX. <laughs> fuck PAX, Luke Lancaster. Oh, no. No, you can't take it out of context. <laughs> um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, yeah, so obviously we've got like the Expo Hall, which is the new stuff, very traditional trade show, but we've got, I think, almost 150 panels this year. Uh, we've got a whole second half to the hall that is just like free play areas and community tournaments and stuff. We've got like little things that pop up over the show, like the line entertainment enforcers who will come around and just play games with people who are in the queue. Uh, we got a few new things happening this year. So it's about filling those three days with more things than someone can do in three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of the day-to-day, that's publisher meetings, that's meeting with community stuff. It's writing strategy out for new things we could do with the show it's staying across what games people are playing what topics are being talked about on twitter it's just kind of being enmeshed and trying to reflect what people want at the show from the show no that's fair you've got a fair amount of travel that comes with the role as well yeah yeah uh that's definitely one of the perks so i get to kind of go out to a couple of the u.s pack shows every year uh and that sort of staying in touch with the Penny Arcade team who are pretty engrossed in the show over there and still do a lot of work here, seeing any stuff that works really well for the US audiences that we might want to bring to Oz, uh, making sure that PAX as a global brand still feels like a global brand, even though the Australian show is quite distinct. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff that we do and we kicked off at Oz uh, that got translated to the US shows, so it's really cool to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's making sure it's on brand and it's seeing stuff over there meeting people who might want to come to the show like international guests uh publishers whoever i i have to say uh first of all congratulations on getting through comic-con thank you uh, which which was just the last two weeks it seems like a really tall order to have both of them so close together 
How do you cope with trying to do both? And what sort of approach do you take to Comic-Con that you kind of, to, to I guess, distinguish it from, from PAX itself? Because there's a lot of crossover, I think, in, in terms of what you could have at both. Yeah, there is. Um, PAX has a remit that is absolutely 100% gaming. Everything at PAX has to do with gaming. Uh, Comic-Con, the way we look at it is more of a celebration of fandom. Um, so anything across gaming, comics, TV, movies, anime, manga, like if you love something and are passionate about that, it's more fan community driven um, and it's more celebrity driven than PAX is. So it's not necessarily about connecting with publishers or developers or playing games or being hands-on. It's offering an experience for someone who has a very specific niche that they love mm. with regard to a fandom. Um, in terms of the workload, I've got to give a massive shout out to Michelle, who's a content coordinator on Comic-Con, and she is essentially my role on Comic-Con. So I am there and I help with it, but it is far more her show than it is mine. Who who would you say on that sort of fandom celebrity aspect, who's the who's the most impressive person you've met so far since sort of transitioning into this role? Like who's who was the, the celebrity geek out moment that you've had um, during, during this journey? Ooh. I think since I've come on, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I absolutely lost my shit in a bar at PAX West last year when I met the guys who made Firewatch. I oh, really nuts. Um, I love that Camp- game so much. The Campo uh, Santo crew, hey? Campo Santo crew. Campo Santo. Uh, yeah. Because I just, I just love that game. Um, and I ran into those guys at some Valve party and I did not keep my cool. I've been good mm. since then. I've been very good since then, but at that moment, it was it didn't matter. I just did you give a big did you give him big high five for getting that big um, copyright strike on PewDiePie after all that melodrama? Did you give him the guns? um, Nice work. I think this was before that. You might have been the catalyst. I I wish I was. Maybe I can claim that. They're still doing a movie, right? That's still in the works. I think. I think so. Mm. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it since the announcement about, uh, I feel like it's maybe 12 months ago they announced it at least. I've got a really bad sense of time, but yeah, it's it's definitely coming. I love Firewatch. Yeah. It's such a great game. That's a game that I've been playing about once a year since it since it dropped. It's such a good experience because you can get through it in an afternoon as well. Mm. Mm, yeah. Do you really? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, four it's hours. pretty short. I haven't played it, to be honest, confession, but... No, it, you, you can knock it out in the afternoon. Yeah, like four hours, easy. Five hours. Really? Yeah. yeah. Guess I have something to do this evening. Um, yeah. And also, another shameless plug, um, Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah, will be at Paxos this year. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Joining them dots. Yeah. Playing um, playing favorites a little bit, but that's fine. That's all right. That's all right. We, we do that pretty often around here. Um, depending on the mm-hmm. week, I'll, I'll love Ali or Sam more than others. Actually, I'll probably love Ali more than most of them on here. So, That's But fine. I just cater to the audiences and, and the egos <laughs> just to keep all these riffraff in check. Um, uh, the joys of the 8-bit family. <laughs> Although while I'm just keeping my mouth sealed shut. Uh, um, <laughs> while we're talking about that, I think uh, the most starstruck I've ever been at work was... Just before I left CNET, so just before I started at PAX, um, I had an interview with Matt Mercer and Laura Bailey from Critical Role. Oh, baby. It was so good, and it was probably the best interview I'd ever done. And the audio recording corrupted, so there is no proof that I ever actually did this. 
Oh my god, that's tough. Interviewing yeah. Matt Mercer, uh, like I wouldn't be able to concentrate because his voice is like butter. I made him do the McCree lines as well. I shouldn't have, but oh, I did. No. Yeah, oh, he, he was game. It was fine. <laughs> and, and and no matter what, like there was no sort of sound engineers that could bring that back. It was just it lost was, in the ether. It was gone. Oh, oh no, was gutted. We've all got those gremlins. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had a um. We had a funny one once. I think we had a setup, and Bernie Burns was recording on it one time. Yeah, that was yeah. that was at PAX last year. Yeah, but there was like a power surge or something coming through the mixer. I don't I don't know specifically what had happened, but it basically just distorted all of the audio. Mm. Oh god! So there was this this huge interview that um I think we'd been helping line up for a while that just was pretty unusable by the end of it, unfortunately. But um, um, for for anyone listening that wants to try and avoid those types of gremlins, check out the Before You Go Live panel available at PAX Australia. Hey, um, getting broadcast is. on Saturday afternoon. I think it's in the Galar Theatre. I could be very wrong on that, but it's around 3 or 3.30 in the PMs on Saturday, October 27th, Before You Go Live. I will open my spreadsheet and get you the correct time in theatre. <laughs> <laughs> It is in Kookaburra at one thirty. No, no, this is the wrong I was thing. About to say, no, it's not. Nah, yeah, I don't that remember Kookaburra. And you passed. <laughs> I'm going to toast myself with an up and go. You actually did get it correct. It is three thirty in Galar on Saturday. Boom. There we go. Check it out before Love you go live. These room names. Yeah. Well, the the uh, the bin chicken took it out this year. Yeah, it's very clearly and demonstrably the Ibis Theatre. Thank you. Everyone's going to call okay. it chicken, but it's the Ibis Theater. It's the oh, yeah. chicken theater. It, we, know, we know. That was fun. That was fun um, getting everyone to vote on the names yeah, for the like, theaters. I mean, we probably could have not had Ibis in there because it was fairly clear that was going to sweep it. Um, but we, we had that new theater this year. We decided to add a theater. And it's like, well, what should we call it? And it's like, well, you know what? We can kind of do whatever we want. So let's have a vote for it. Because um, mm. they're all named after flying animals up there. I'm upset we didn't see any um, any honourable mentions to the blue tit. I would have voted for blue tit all day. <laughs> blue tit. Well, we had Willy Wagtail as an option. So I guess one year we just got to have one suggestive bird name in the... Uh... Oh, come to our pod in the Willy room, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So so I guess sort of moving on from that, what, what is new uh, for PAX Australia 2018? What, what are some of the hit points, some of the things that you want to that you want to bring to the table here that are going to be unlike uh, Paxes of yesteryear? Unlike pa- the Paxes of yesteryear. Um, wow. Uh, so I, I know, guess... I reach sometimes. I, I, I apologize. It's fine. Um, <laughs> a, a couple of things we want to flag. Um, so this year we've got uh, upstairs near all those theaters. Uh, we've also, we've added Ibis, so we've got a whole new theater, which is like an extra 30 panels across the weekend. Um, we've got a rock band room, so we've got a whole setup on a stage of just rock band. So go in, check it out. Very kind of karaoke room feel. Um, we've got some giant board games. We've had a few before, but it's like a dedicated area around a bar this year. It's going to be really cool. Ooh, cool. Uh, one thing that I've been working really hard on, and I'm so happy it got off the ground this year, is the PAX Collaboratory. Um, so this is something that's a first for any PAX anywhere, and if it goes well, hopefully it becomes a fixture at all the other shows uh obviously we've got pax rising which is our area that showcases indie games we've got about 100 indie games in there and it's just really cool like grassroots devs showing what they've made there's like an immediate connection with the developer and we want to do something similar to that to tabletop but didn't want to eat the lunch of pax rising too much 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea I had in the end was, why don't we do something that is uh, board game designers, role-playing game designers, bringing stuff to the show that isn't necessarily a game that they've made that's out, but it's stuff that they're working on that's in progress, it's being playtested. So we opened a submission thing, we got about 45, 50 games in the end, uh, and it's board game designers, role-playing designers, bringing their games out, and the idea is anyone at PAX can come and play those games and actually playtest those games and help make them. That's fantastic. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. The response from the tabletop design community has been great. Uh, I just hope it goes well. I hope fans come along, play some games, find some cool shit they wouldn't have ever seen otherwise. Mm. Mm. I, I, for one, am very excited to dive deeper into that sort of tabletop realm. I'm I'm very virginal in that regard. Uh, I haven't really done much in that space. And last year, one of our um, one of our other other mates, um, Nato Johnson, who runs the uh, the U Game Bro podcast now, he he pisses you know d twenties and things like that. He is all about <laughs> tabletop like in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, he actually uh, popped my tabletop cherry last pack. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was the first time I played uh, any kind of tabletop. So I went around the whole section in packs and played a few tabletops and it was yeah. great. And now I play D&D. So. It's super cool. Like a lot of just join in on games and we've got the whole tabletop library there and um, Reaper do a thing where you can just sit down and paint some minis and they'll teach you how to paint them. It's it's, it's a really, really cool space. And it's open to like 11. So after the rest of the show is closed, yeah. just go hang out there after dinner or whatever. Mm. After you watch the party mode panel at uh, eight thirty on the Saturday evening, yes. go paint yeah. some minis afterwards. When you're still on a high from party mode, go paint some minis till eleven, and then go drinking with with those guys from Reaper until the the early hours of the morning. On I Sunday. am keen to see how you fit that in an hour because that was manic last year. Party mode, <laughs> yeah, all over it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I've got my best man on the job. I'm not, Brendan. I'm not worried. <laughs> I'm not worried. <laughs> No, it's going to be really fun this year. We've got, um, I think we've got, everyone's locked in. We've um, we've been approaching a lot of uh, people to, to get games in. Now, you made a great suggestion um, on on one of the indie showcase games. Oh, to you're going to run there. Teleblast? It's not confirmed as okay. yet, but we're, we're going to try and get Teleblast up there as well. I I, I want to drop it because I think it's really fun. We did it last year mm-hmm. um, with Gravity. Yep. We, we got an indie showcase mm-hmm. game there last year. And that was really cool to actually, one, to play it because it's a really fun game. Um, but two, to, to see it on the stage and then to to also then go and hang out with the guys at their, at their stand afterwards and just see people playing the game there too. Um, it was just a really fun little way to include the guys and, and um, I guess just uh just show off this this really fun indie game yeah it's available to play right away so again hopefully we'll get teleblast up there as well um but we've got another game that's also going to be available to play on the day which i won't tell you what it is you can Um, tell me after we stop recording i'll tell you what it is afterwards yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) but uh definitely come along it's uh it's 8 p.m in the eb theater on the saturday night so come and check it out shameless plug shameless plug very exciting you too luke you you come i'll i'll be around yeah, <laughs> um, Luke is Pax. You know, he is everywhere and he is nowhere. He is the all, all sort of yeah. occupying being. Mm. Um, oh, one more thing I wanted to flag, uh, just because I was looking at my Twitter notifications um, and I remembered that this got settled yesterday. Uh, we've got Pax Movie Night for the first time. Um, so again, another audience vote thing. We just want to start doing double features of the worst video game movies we can show. 
Um, well, oh we're not in short goodness. supply on those. Wait, that's worse? for sure. I saw what the selection was. Worst? Uh, <laughs> I okay. love those movies. Tomb Raider is not the worst, but it's pretty bad. Um, so we should be showing Tomb Raider and the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, no. Oh, Super Mario <laughs> yeah. 1. Oh, I voted for Street it Fighter. It was so close. I was watching that tick over and the votes going up, and I was just farming that link out to people going, please don't make this a tie. Um, and yeah. people are, are coming back to me going, oh, I voted for Street Fighter. And then like instantly someone else would come back to me and go, oh, I voted for Super Mario. It's like, you're not helping, guys. Mm. <laughs> and just to be clear, this is the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider. The Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider, yeah. not the, um, yeah. the Alicia Vikander one. Ago. Mm. <laughs> I'm a little bit upset there was no uh, Dead or Alive in the voting there. Hey, patches every oh, year, mate. We, we true. got, we got That's true. plenty of terrible movies to get through. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we've sort of hit on some of the things that are new and, and picks on what to see. What what would you say are some of the highlights from the the past five years of of Paxomania here in on in Australia? Oh well, now that you've just said it, Paxomania definitely was a highlight last year. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, we don't have it this year, but we're going to try to get Aaron back out um, for 2019. Uh, Paxomania is like a thing run by league of heels where a bunch of video game industry people personalities whoever will adopt pro wrestling personas and play bad wrestling video games um but because we like to swing it around a bit we went over the top last year and actually got involved with like melbourne city wrestling and had a couple of wrestlers on there and we had like a whole plot line and there were heel turns there was reverse heel turns it was it was really really (laughs) ridiculous um I love, I love the Omegathon final. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the Omegathon, we pick 20 people out of the random pool of people who have bought tickets, uh, and they'll play a knockout video game tournament over six rounds at PAX. Uh, they know what every round is except the last one. The last round's always a surprise. Uh, and the winner gets to go to any other PAX they want our expense. Um, so it's just like a really cool tournament that is so not esports it's just rando people (laughs) playing games and if you happen to get a run of games that you were good at you get a free international trip which is pretty sick that's Um, pretty great that is pretty sick it is uh the running gag um at the u.s shows is you can go to any paxos you want because they always (laughs) pick and last year the final was mean but I'm a bastard, so that was good. It was Crossy Road, but on a balance board. So we rigged up a balance board with Rudism to take uh, WASD input. Um, so they had to like use a balance board to play Crossy Road. That was pretty intense. That's pretty great. He is, he is something Road. else, isn't he? Old Rudism. He is. Super talented. The, things, the things he put together... And he's like the nicest guy. It blows guy. my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just a dude with a family and a cat and yep. just you know gets his sci- mad scientist on of an evening and, and makes magic like it's it's fantastic yeah um what have you because he's coming over again for pax this year isn't he have you got anything in store with him or can you not say i think he's doing sponsored stuff this year okay i'm not actually sure um i know he's not doing any panel stuff okay um so what's some other stuff we've done like i don't know man how much more stuff can you fit luke like at There's the venue well there. the venue's just had an extension put in so oh. really? we're not taking it this year but in future years more oh always can, more can, 
Mm-hmm. Can I tell you what I'm looking forward to doing? Yes, please. Um, so you are, of course, going to be running tournaments all weekend. Yep. Uh, that people can go up and play. And I'm looking to be the back-to-back two years in a row, day one Tekken 7 champion. Oh, <laughs> two are years you running. Just? That's what I'm looking to do. So challenges, make your way over. I think it's at 12.30. It's at 12.30, the game's scheduled. So I'll be there on day one doing that. I'm shirking all of my 8-bit responsibilities and finding the tournament. We've got to bring in a few uh, rings. Don't worry, most of the 8-bit crew's there. <laughs> mm. uh, like last time. Actually, that, that's a good yeah. point. Like people, people always ask me, like, what do I like doing at PAX? What are the highlights? And i got my personal stuff. What are you guys like doing at PAX? Because there's so much there and... It's so varied. Yeah. I, I have to say, last year, I had so much fun. I think it might have been on the third day. Yeah, it was It was the last day. And I was walking around um, just all the indie games with Michael and Tegan from Reset. And we were just playing game after game. And it was just really fun talking about the different games and what we liked and and maybe some of the things that we necessarily didn't um, have a, as much fun playing or whatever, just talking about these indie games and then also talking with the developers. Uh, I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, that's that's probably the highlight short of being Tekken champion and party mode. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. And just seeing everyone. It's so fun. The whole the whole thing. Yeah, I, I think the, the fact that the entire gaming community from across Australia, New Zealand and even you hear of people coming from abroad uh coming together for that weekend certainly helps there's this massive big sense of community and camaraderie and fun and shenanigans uh having that direct touch as as dream mentioned there the direct touch with some of the developers making the potential next big hit uh, i i really like that where you can get in at ground level uh play test a game get some feedback till like pass that on uh, and, and sort of be ahead of the the media curve i guess in that regard i think that's really cool um, but it's just so varied. Like yeah. there is literally something for everyone there. Um, there's no barrier to entry for for anybody for tabletop gaming, for indie games, for the the AAA titles, for the esports tournaments that are going on, the general tournaments, uh, the the shop outlets in there where you can get all your your pop culture swag and everything else. So it's um it's just fun. It's yeah. just yeah. just a even, fun even little like, couple of days. Even like um so I know last year there was. There was Bernie Burns last year who um, who who did, did a whole keynote. hour. Yeah, did the keynote yeah. on yeah. his that journey was so good. Um, that was with Rooster Teeth. That keynote. was great. And this year, uh, I was just reading, Luke, this year you've got Pete Hines, Tim Bullets, and Matt Fyrell from Bethesda coming out doing four panels. Yeah. Um, three on the um, Friday and one on the Saturday. So just... we've been doing a bunch of work with their team and like those guys are amazing mm-hmm. and breadth of stuff they're doing is so cool so there's like one of Mm. just the three of them talking about you know the past 30 years of working in games but like individual stuff as well like um like tim willett's doing a retrospective of id which i'm gonna watch as much of that as i can because that's gonna be fucking mental yeah that'll be special Mm. yeah um oh obviously like speaking of bernie burns last year we got Ree pratchett doing our keynote this year um which is gonna be so fucking cool yeah like I'm so excited mm. to see that, which I probably won't. I'll watch the rehearsal; it'll be fine. Mm. What? <laughs> or you'll be able to watch it back on Twitch. You, you're still yeah. doing a lot of the the streaming of the panels on the on the Twitch, the Pax Twitch sites as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So we've got Pax, Pax Two, Pax Three, uh, which is our main theater, our EB theater, and GameSpot theater. Um, and we've got Pax Arena, which is uh, the arena stage. So we show all our esports stuff on Twitch as well. 
So definitely nice. check some of that out if you can't make it down. Nice. All right. So so if we sort of peel back the packs curtain a little bit now and and sort of delve into some of like what are the what are some of the challenges involved when you're planning a convention as large as as PAX and or Comic Con? The, the coordination, the people movement, making sure that you know sales is talking to content, is talking to marketing, and we're all on the same page. Mm. Um, making sure that stuff gets announced at the right time. Uh, so we work with a team. Uh, I think there's twelve of us internally um, in the Oz office who work on PAX and Comic Con and a few other shows. So it's split focus which is also a concern like you mentioned the timing before with oz comic on being when it is and it's just hard to make sure that we're on board with it all um finalizing booth builds coming up on deadlines so there's a thing with packs um and this is kind of what happens i'm guessing every year but it's only happened twice for me because second year doing it uh you'll be talking to people months out and i'll be like oh yeah, yeah we'll get back to you when we get back to you uh, and then two weeks before show is when everyone wants to talk to you at once. Mm-hmm. So the deadlines are brutal. Making sure everything is working, everything goes ahead, everything gets confirmed in really alarmingly short turnaround space. And that's that's something that I've noticed from, from my experiences in this industry. Like, um, I, I don't know if time poor is, is the best way to describe it, but there is a lot of fast and loose planning when it comes to, to gaming events or, yep. or just working with content creators or whatever it might be. It is very much last minute, just I guess because it is more of a, a reactionary industry. Um, mm. And I can only imagine how it'd feel doing it on a, on a scale of, of sort of packs. Like like we feel the internal pressures on some of the things we have working on and it is like a, a drop in the ocean as opposed to something like a pack. So yeah, yeah. As, as we said, when we opened this thing up, you're looking pretty good, all things considered with um, all the stresses and the reality of this thing being 12 days away. Stop saying 12 days. <laughs> um <laughs> I think it's actually less now. It's probably like 11 and, and you know, Oh, yeah, 11 days, hours. like 51 minutes, whatever it is. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. So you said you've got, you've got like a team of a team of 12 that is sort of working directly, yeah. indirectly and in all this. But then outside of that, how many, how many organizations, outlets, PR teams, brandings, everything else? How, how many would you say you're liaising with? On the um, lead up to PAX. Oh God. Well, we've got two PR companies, one local, one in the US who handles all those shows. We've got um, dedicated people on the Penny Arcade team. Obviously, we've got, and I cannot sing their praises highly enough, um, about 850 enforcers. This show would not run without them. They are yeah, wow. the best volunteer community in the world and they go above and beyond. And I have a deep and real love for every one of them. Um Community groups, I'm going to leave some people off here. So again, I apologize, but we work with the Couch Warriors, Magnificent Nerds, uh, the TGDA this year, um, just in all our different free play spaces, making sure that those things run. And those guys are great because it's what they do and we get a chance. We get to give them a chance to do that kind of stuff for you know tens mm. of thousands of people. Um, obviously, all the different publishers and PR teams we're working with on that side, It's it's a long list. It's it's insane, and as you said, like eight hundred and fifty enforcers, like that's that's impressive. Like like we've we've all been to a whole heap of conventions and events and concerts, and and that's a sheer amount 
of, of mobile staff on the ground that's that's for the most part a thankless role but they embrace it and do well and you can see the passion and the care that that a lot of these people bring to yeah. that space i mean if if someone is listening to this and you love packs just please thank the enforcers that you see because mm. it's them at the end of the day like on site all of the reed staff kind of we're we're busy like we are flat mm. out but mm. we're not we're not forward facing in the way they are because mm. that's it like like they they're representing packs in in the same level as yourselves would be but yeah their their attitude towards it will go go a long way to shaping um patrons yeah uh, feelings on the experiences event. yeah yeah no it's good to see it's good to see so something that's pretty pretty crazy pretty groundbreaking is obviously pax and eb expo yep. have have merged into one uh, megazord of an experience now uh, how does this shape the pax experience in 2018 and moving forward so this is something that i have been repeating kind of ad nauseum all year like pax itself is not changing the elements of pax that are like the free play areas the theaters the expo hall like all of that stuff it's not being taken away it's not shifting it's not being reduced um, what we are bringing in with EB is a lot of the more publisher-centric stuff that we just haven't had the opportunities to do before because of when the dates of EB were. Like, you want to talk about overlapping shows, EB Expo mm. was like three weeks before PAX, traditionally. Mm. Um, yeah. And that meant a lot of split focus for, you know, the publishers in Australia. It was just really hard for them to do both shows. Um, so this year we've got like the big EB mega store where you can like snap up some bargains, all the collector's editions and stuff that they move off. If you've ever been to an EBX before, uh, we've renamed one of the theaters, the EB theater. Uh, and a lot of that is still the content that we would normally do. Like there's some Megathon rounds in there. There's a bunch of panels in there, like 28 plays later. And, uh, I got to give a shout out to the let's play dating Sims panel. Uh, it's hilarious. You should go to that. Um, <laughs> But we're doing some publisher showcase kind of stuff that we haven't done before with kind of a pack spin on it. Like we've got a Just Cause 4 and a Hitman 1, which is going to be someone playing on stage, but to kind of paxify it a little bit, it's like just taking suggestions from the crowd on what they should do next. Like, how should we get past this guy in Hitman? And we're actually doing two of those because the idea is they will be completely different both times. 100%. Like mm. the sandbox that those both, both of those titles give you is deeper and broader than just about anything out there to play especially in that sort of triple a vein so that'll be exciting yeah i'm excited to see someone attach a rocket to some man's ass and shoot them into the sky with mm. a parachute and who yeah. knows what else <laughs> um but i guess uh what you will see from an experience side is once you step into expo hall uh, a lot of the publisher booths are just going to be physically bigger um and that is directly because publishers don't have to worry about two shows now Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means you know more consoles playable a better presence from them hopefully a better experience in the long run um it looks good like i, I sort of had a look at the um the the floor plan and, and seeing some of the, the booth size and there is definitely an uptick in in real estate occupied by by the main um the main publishers and and sort of devs out there so i'm excited to see what other games are going to be there that are as yet unannounced, hopefully, that I yeah. can um, oh, get lost in? Some stuff coming. Some stuff coming. I would get fired if I talked about it, but there's some stuff coming. See, this is the other <laughs> thing about announcements. It's like, it's all well and good to know stuff, but until a publisher is good to go, you do not say anything. Yeah. Um, I will say, hot tip, once we're peeling back the curtain, talking on the side, 
if Expo Hall is your main focus, you want to go and check all that stuff out, go on the Sunday because it's usually a little bit quieter, a little bit less crowded than Saturday. Um, and Sunday tickets still on sale. So if that's what you want to do, go on the Sunday, mm. guys. Yeah, Saturday tickets, there's still some available apparently. The three-day passes are gone skis yep. um, outside of scalping and things like that. But yeah, it's Friday, Sunday still available, but Saturday is looking pretty thin. So yeah, follow follow Mr. Lancaster's advice. They're getting on the Sunday get get maximize your time because yeah the the foot traffic is definitely less maybe maybe it sort of mirrors into a lot of the parties from the saturday night before yeah. if you saw heads <laughs> and sunday what morning have you. is good advice first thing sunday yeah. morning yeah <laughs> yeah so a- anything else that you that you want to want to bring to the table here regarding pax talk or or anything that ali and dream you guys might have to to throw at our man luke here no, I, I, I'm just really excited to, to get down there again and do it. I love PAX. It's so much fun. It's three days of fun, just playing games, seeing friends and having a fantastic time. I think this year, um, this year there's more panels than ever before. Yeah. Um, 150. So, and there's a panel for everything. So I guess whatever your interest is, uh, my tip would be to check out the panel schedule I guarantee you'll find something that you are interested to um, to hear about or, or learn about or just check out. So do that. It's on the website. Um, and I guess it's it probably fair to say, Luke, that there's probably still things to come in terms of news and announcements probably leading Absolutely, right up until yeah. the day. Um, so stay tuned. Even on that weekend, stay tuned to stuff. Uh, one last thing I'll shout out since, again, cross-promo, I'm on 8-bit. Um, generosity are live on site this year. Yes, um, they they'll are. They'll be on their charity stream at PAX. So swing by and check them out. And some money for a good cause, raising money for Child's Playing Checkpoint. That's that's going to be a crazy a crazy time. Um, yeah, everyone involved in Generosity bust their hump year on year, and it's it's a sight to behold. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Some yeah. of the chaos Especially and the debauchery and I've never oh seen goodness. anyone more tired in my life than I have Lido after a generosity he looks like he has been up for days because he has been up for days it's amazing <laughs> mate i don't want to throw a gauntlet down here but come find me on the sunday okay we'll right. get like a, a side-by-side comparison of, of a sort of a profile <laughs> shot and we'll, we'll see who's who looks worse on the sunday <laughs> just photos every hour of the two of you just slowly progressively getting worse and worse yeah. before and after shots challenge accepted challenge accepted oh, luke <sighs> all right so uh, after some packs talk i guess we should try and talk about what we usually do with the, with the potty here and find out what we've all been playing this week Luke, what have you been doing this week? Or maybe, maybe we could expand it out to the last few weeks because I know you're a, you're a very busy man at the moment. So Yeah, I mean, I mentioned playing? I'm, I'm playing a bit of WoW. Um, I'm saving, like, God, there are so many single-player games out that I'm just not touching till after pack. So, like, on my mm. list is definitely Spider-Man, Odyssey. Um, I still haven't played Vampire. I want to play Vampire. Um, it's not bad. Yeah? It's, it's all right. I, I haven't finished it. I'm about three-quarters of the way through, but I've gotten to a point where... The, the level jumps in that game just seem to make no sense. Oh, like you're going okay. along and it's, you know, you've got a nice amount of challenge. And then all of a sudden I got to this one boss and she's just so OP that you almost get two shot at every single time. And anyway, it frustrated me, but I like the premise. Cool. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, well, I love um, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Like that mm. old RPG first person shooter was just so good. 
Um, yeah. I actually still bust that out every so often. Um, but yeah, like that Red Dead 2 comes out like first day of PAX, so I'm going to play that after PAX. Yeah, you, you could have changed the dates of PAX to accommodate Red Dead 2, surely. Yeah, like, I mean, look, it's once every five years. There is a lot of sad gamers. Dates, you know. <laughs> we will have it playable in our free play areas. It's just going to be a hot property, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. But in terms of like what I'm playing now, uh, really just two things. Like I'm still smashing Destiny. Forsaken is so good. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Gambit is the best. Uh, I made a mistake because all of the Titan armor is garbage, but I'm really enjoying, really, really enjoying Destiny Two. Back in that in a big way. Um, and what just, um on on Destiny Two with the Titan, what what new subclass did you go with? Code of the Missile, man. Oh, you, yeah, I did it too. Yeah, I'm I'm mode of the missile, but I want the big hammer. I want the big hammer. The big hammer's fun, and like the shield is good, but if you can be a Titan, and there's a way for you to get more punches, get more punches. Yeah. Mm. yeah no 100 percent. i i I had severe regret um for a few hours straight there when when i sort of picked the the missile subclass because i'm like oh no i want the oh no no you can't there's no easy way to get another uh seed of light to get this uh get this other one so um i'm still stuck with it but I've, i've learned to love being a um a human missile human missile i love the um just a little touch of the I forget the name of it. The reload thing. So if you slide over ammo, you instantly reload. That's really yeah, that's, tight. Yeah, doing that with a shoddy um, is just nasty. Yep. Um, but yeah, so so yourself and, and Ali, you two have been on that Destiny 2 grind pretty heavy. Like, Luke, you said you're about 560, and I think, Miss Hart, you hit 570 or Nelly? I'm heading to 570. Oh, my goodness. That's my, my goal. Hopefully, I'm going to get 570 How next though? week. It's horrible. Like I've mentioned before on this podcast, it's like a shopping list. It's like, okay, got to make sure I sign on today, do my mm-hmm. daily, see if, you know, tick the boxes here. <laughs> but um, I'm also on the grind for the Maleficent uh, gun. Oh, God, and yeah. that means a lot of gambit. Yeah. So it's, I've actually been putting a lot of the uh, power grind to side just so I could get that goddamn gun. <laughs> I even have the ornament for it, but still got to get yeah, the, the gun. The exotic drop rate and the exotic quest lines seem like they are way, way longer in um yeah in forsaken yeah. All, all i get is that stupid grenade launcher time and time and time and time again prospector yeah, yeah. nah the not not the exotic on the, oh, on the, edge legendary, the, the echo whatever yeah. it is or <laughs> i despise edge that transit. yeah edge transit piece yeah, of crap that's a bad boy that's a bad boy but make sure you there's one particular role of the edge transit that you got to keep for the raid especially for the end boss apparently so mm. i won't go into too much because it's spoilers or whatever but um yeah apparently the edge transit is useful for one thing and they are in the process of fixing that mm. up so it might be might be useful to keep i one, should probably stop dismantling every single one then and, and check the role uh, no, on, on the destiny 2 talk did you see the the rumor mill where there's going to be a horde mode coming in on the back of this the halloween event that starts in two days time i think it's the 16th or maybe it's the 17th for us here in in au but um yeah little little sort of horde mode uh, see how many waves of progressively more difficult enemies you can survive so that sounds good this will be my first destiny halloween event i don't think i've ever played destiny during halloween mm. ever because i usually have cute little helmets and little ornament stuff to during that time too yeah jack o'lantern helmets and stuff yeah i don't think i've ever played during halloween so Kudos, Destiny. You actually kept me on board for longer than I <laughs> 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 talked about it every yeah, single that's episode. On, that's on the, the back of the box. 
Quote from Ali. <laughs> but but that's like Forsaken. They've, they've stuck the landing with Forsaken. It is, it is definitely living up to the promise and potential of Destiny 2. I, I think everything they've done with that expansion has just been pass marks throughout the entirety of, of that experience. Yeah. Um, only thing that irks me is obviously no Nathan Fillion voicing him, but, um, you know, that's a minor bugbear. No, it's really awkward, especially with considering the like the storyline and like how everything's now. But then, in order to like do certain dailies and stuff like that, you have to do story quests where you hear his voice again, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, this is awkward." Mm. Voice from the dead. Yeah. You're not my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, just been playing some tabletop RPGs as well. So D and D, which comes up all the time, and I'm in Seven C, a long running Seven C game as well, which is like. Uh, magical pirates, swashbucklers, musketeer kind of setting. Really, really cool. What is, what is your <laughs> character's name in that? Oh, um, so in that, I'm Hamish McEwen, who's just, he's a huge Scottish barbarian type, um, which doesn't really fit into the sailor thing, but we make it work. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> who's to judge? <laughs> who's to say a big uh, Scottish barbarian can't be a pirate? You know? There are no rules. Yeah, you're going to tell him he can't be a pirate? All right, Miss Hart. What about you? I see, I see a uh, a new addition to the uh, to the playlist this week. <laughs> so I did play Destiny too. So I got away with speaking about it this week without bringing it up. So thank you, Luke. Um, but um, I played a game on the Switch called uh, Bold Boy. I remember way back when when this first came out. It uh, irked my interest because it's a very dark, eerie kind of looking game, it but it's actually on sale now on Switch. I think it's like 80% off. So it's actually a very, very good uh, discount. Um, and it's pretty much a point and click adventure where your main character is a, like beam, is the only beam of light in you know your environment. And you're essentially like going through darkness and kind of nightmare environments. So um, as a person who personally has a fear of the dark, this game is very interesting. Um, but uh you know point and click genre which is also a favorite of mine and um it's a little indie game i think i'd like pay like a dollar something for it for the discount so it's a it's a pretty good throwaway especially if you just want to play something different mm, very very um, positive reviews on the steam page yeah well yeah it's, it's also available on like you know other platforms but you know the switch is always i always feel like the switch is a good one good console for those kind of throwaway times where you're like laying on the couch tv's on you're not essentially paying attention to the TV or what's around you, but you want to play a game. Mm. So that one's actually been a good one. So that's Bulb Boy. It's got a bit of a, a uh, Salad Fingers vibe to it almost with some of yeah, these creatures. Yeah, kind of like that dark area of the internet that used to go like and watch little really screwed up Flash cartoons. Mm. Like It's got that kind of vibe. That's like the th- Hopefully third people get time what I mean. I've heard Salad Fingers <laughs> referenced today after not hearing about Salad Fingers for 12 months. That's super weird. Man. What? And it's, it's not even it's 11 a.m. like 11 a.m. Yeah. No. <laughs> Who else are you talking to about Salad Fingers? There was just something on Reddit this morning, I think. Right. You were deep. Salad Fingers is so Bit good. of Rusty Spoons discussion. <laughs> Huber Combadale. Um, and I also jumped onto Stardew Valley. Uh, playing it on the Switch, which I do anyway, but realized that the multiplayer on PC is now available. So you can have four other, oh, well, you and three other players work on the farm. I need you to show me how to ranch because I still have not really played it properly. I am ready for the 8-bit farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am ready for the can 8-bit farm. Can we grow drugs? What? Uh, can we grow drugs? 
Do you want to grow some heroin? <laughs> I just think it's the best way to, quickest way to profit. If we can have a drug farm. I mean, it's probably true, but our, our sources, like the town's pretty small, so I don't know how good our income Where is. Where is the narcos um, farming sim, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what yeah, I Yeah, um, I saw that there was a weed one coming out. Who's bribing the border guards? Are there border guards? Do we need to worry about them? <laughs> We'd have to pay them off. We'll do some background Damn. on them and their families. Everything pure. 8-bit ruins everything <laughs> pure in the world. <laughs> we'll just get NATO in. NATO's the Casanova of Stardew Valley, according to him. He knows every according damsel to him. and every dude in that town, and he's dating all of them. He just doesn't like my choices. <laughs> the only problem, though, with multiplayer in this game is... So we all work together and get a combined currency, but then when people spend the currency, then they spend everyone's money, and I think that's going to be a mm. problem. <laughs> We need a banker like in Monopoly, sort of to, to control. Oh, in Chinatown, I guess if we're gonna. Yeah, I was, we're doing all the way back to the start. Fairness and honesty. You want to do Chinatown? The banker of Monopoly. Oh, we look post pack. We could totally play, guys. Just say it. I feel like it would be a pack somewhere. I feel like somewhere in the tabletop area, there's probably going to be a yeah, Chinatown game. Is that I fair? Don't fucking have time for board games at packs, dude. <laughs> don't fence me out of this. We do. Time to breathe, let alone play board games. We're, we're doing this, Luke. <laughs> We're doing Chinatown, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So apart from that, you know, standard indie game, Stardew game, Destiny game. That's been my week. Cool. I'm coming in over the top, Dream. All right, you're gonna you're gonna steamroll over me. Yeah, yeah. I'll let I'll let you finish it off um, with with your little little finale there. But um, NBA 2K19, dive deep on the my player prelude. Finished all that. Uh, what a roller coaster that was! I, I know you've you've sort of uh, talked about it in in great detail, and and Jono has as well. But it's it's really cool to see some genuine emotional attachment to a storyline in a sports game. Mm. Um, I was a bit upset at myself for actually going out and shooting some fireworks and everything, and getting a kick up the ass by the coach and burning down a hotel. But uh, that's a story for another Jeez. day. When you get kicked off the fire ants, it's heartbreaking. Mm. It's genuinely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, and you're directionless, but then all of a sudden you get called up to be the starting player in the LA Lakers for the last game. Like, it's a bit melodramatic for there, but um, yeah, I've been grinding on that NBA. Um, Can we go back to where you burned a hotel down? Like, NBA yeah. games yeah. have changed yeah. since I last played one. past that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all part of being a basketball player in the NBA, baby. Fireworks yeah. and burning hotels and antics with your Fire Ants teammates. But it's interesting that you had the Lakers, Brendan, because I got um, I got subbed into the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, really? I don't no, know. I how had the they Lakers because um, your college your college mate that got drafted and you didn't. Um, he he made the call and sort of helped get me in to to lock down my rival at the Fire Ants that got called up and we shut him down and made our way into the finals and all that n- nonsense. But um, I'm just cruising around now. Once once you finish that prelude, you can kit yourself out in clothes and tattoos and everything so i've tried to make myself the equivalent of a six foot nine african-american man that sort of loosely resembles me but doesn't in any way shape or form um yeah but uh that's that's been an experience but uh also been diving headfirst into black ops 4 which in Uh itself that game's just become a parody of call of duty almost in a way like there's no single player content anymore if you look at all the adverts and the trailers and the hype reels, it's all about meme culture and dude bro swag and all this nonsense. 
um do bro swag and it's it's tough to tough to sort of um to bear but um the blackout mode which i think is going to be the PUBG killer is tight it is very tight PUBG is it's PUBG killer fortnite yeah. i think you need the fortnite killer now yeah but i i think this will sort of take the quote-unquote realism uh side of of sort of the battle royale realm mm. speaking of realism I watched some people play this and oh my god, this blood smarter like is really intense, really confronting in this game. Oh yeah, it's visceral. It's really, really intense. Mm. Um, I've been I'm haven't been playing it, I've been watching a lot of streams because it's actually I'm really interested because I've just noticed all through my social medias everyone's playing it. Like even people I wouldn't have thought would play mm. it is they're all playing it. So I wanted to see if this was something that I was gonna gravitate towards, but it like like everyone's been saying, it's very PUBG, and I don't really have that need right now to play anything like that. So I don't think I'll be buying this, but it looks great. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I, I seriously think it's gonna really really hurt PUBG even more. Like Fortnite is entrenched as as the top of the pops, but PUBG is sort of the the one B now. But it's I think it's gonna continually fall, and and with Battlefield Five and there offshoot coming next month as well it might take a little bit more out of their player base but um we'll see look do you do you play battle royale games have you got any I've any skin in that a game a little bit of PUBG, um and like a couple rounds of Fortnite. i think when it first hit and wasn't even battle royale at that point mm. um, when it was still the the base build survived the waves thing. of yeah. Yeah. enemies uh like they're good but just not my thing um like i like co-op kind of stuff i like team-based stuff i play shooters like i played destiny and i played a bunch of overwatch but i just never got into the battle royale um mm-hmm. i see the appeal but yeah maybe we're all just too old for him now yeah <clears throat> um maybe that's I just the think people take him too seriously that also totally reminds me that is a pax thing that i completely forgot we were doing um, in our PC free play area this year, we've actually sectioned off a hundred PCs to just run Fortnite and PUBG all weekend. So like oh, hundred people in one area. Damn. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how. You're going to get like, a real it's, battle it's... royale in there mm. if you knock the Fortnite people with the PUBG people. Everyone's just going to yeah. get Well, that's the idea. Them. They'll just take each other out. Mm. Pax Lord of the Flies. Well, I'm going to be their front and center. <laughs> Count Pax has just to watch. I like that Pax has its own, um it's own battle mode it's own battle royale mode mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one pax highlander that's the panel that i'm gonna pitch to you next year luke there pax can only highlander. be one like complete reverse battle royale just yeah. pax highlander yeah we'll make it work i don't know we'll dress it up somehow anyway. i'm pretty sure christopher lambert's doing fuck all these days so I could probably get him over here for about 20 bucks and a plane ticket oh, he's dead in so. a gutter somewhere for sure for sure <laughs> Raiden. That was awkward. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for someone to defend Lambert's honor, but it didn't really happen. I, I heard yeah, a Raiden a cutaway. <laughs> defend his own I, honor. Uh, <laughs> and That's again. all I really know right, from. So. Dream. Uh, Tell me. Sure. Uh, so I've been playing for the last uh, two weeks now. I've been actually playing the MTG Arena uh, beta. Um, oh, yeah which is amazing it is amazing so uh i very loosely flirted with magic the gathering years ago and i had a lot of fun playing it but i found it to be 
uh, and I really enjoy CCGs. I found it to be like really a, a complicated card game, which I, I liked. I loved that there's a lot of complexity and a lot of depth there. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I dropped off. But at the time, I also played um, Magic Online, which was their online um, their online platform, and it was awful. It was such an awful online game to play because it's really clunky and Magic as well is um, it's a really structured um, game, card game. And there's a lot of opportunity while you're playing your turn for your opponent to actually interrupt you with instant spells and things like that. And so the way that that worked in, in uh, MTG Online is that basically after every single action, the opponent would be given the opportunity to decide whether or not they wanted to play anything. And it was just really slow. Um, yeah, it had like almost that shot clock kind of thing. So it's like yeah. you take one action and then I would have like 10 seconds to respond. Yeah, and it's not like that when you actually play with people face-to-face either. Like obviously they get to interrupt you if they want to, but it's obviously flowing a lot more freely. Um, so the beta is out for MTG Arena now, and this is their new updated platform to play Magic on. And it is so much better. The, the UI is way cleaner. It still gives you those opportunities to interrupt, but it um, it's a lot smarter about it. It knows if you have the cards in your hand to do it. It even highlights them for you um, and lets you decide whether or not you want to play them. Um, I won't necessarily talk too much about Magic itself as a game because um, frankly, I'm still learning it. I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, it's, it's more complicated than Hearthstone for sure. Um, and I think I'd probably say Shadowverse as well, which I've played both of those um, quite a fair bit over the last year, Hearthstone for the last three years. Um, it's it's just m- way more interesting at a CCG. There are so many different win conditions um, that you can sort of choose to employ. And it does a really good job of holding your hand as well, I think. So as part of the sort of intro to the game, there's a tutorial mode, which takes you through the basics of what you need to know to play just a magic game. But then it lets you unlock 15 decks, 15 pre-made decks um, of various colors with different kinds of win conditions and different types of cards. It gives you a ton of cards for free by doing that as well. And uh, also, the, it's you know obviously free to play, and you can buy packs. But it, I think it does a good job of just making cards available to you for free really easily. You can unlock tons of gold, about three packs at least a week, just by doing the different um, the different sort of quests. Um, you know, usually it's just win a game or play X amount of you know blue cards or white cards, whatever it is. So it, it does a really good job of, I guess, giving you cards to play with and experiment with. Um, I'm, I'm having a ball with it. It's so much fun and they're still working on it. Um, at the moment, I think they haven't really found an elegant solution to what you do with excess cards. Um, in, in MTG Online, there was actually a secondary market, just like there is in real life for like buying, selling, trading cards. They don't have that anymore. It runs a lot more like what Hearthstone's doing where there's only the, the primary market of just buying directly from the platform to get packs. Um, so they still need to work out how they, I guess, make it fair to you if you've just got multiple copies of a card. You can only have four. So, you know, five or more is just redundant. Um, they're also working out things like cosmetics, um, you know, different kinds of modes that, that, that you can play. There are different ways you can um, actually play magic. So there's sealed and constructed and 
um, Singleton, which is like where you can only have one copy of a card. Um, there's one, is it Commander? Look, I feel like you've maybe got yeah. a bit of experience um, with MTG. Yeah, Commander where it's like you just... Part, the, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you, you take the top card off your deck and you play it straight away for no cost. Um, so they're, they're actually looking at how to, I guess, employ these kinds of modes as well, which which are all just really cool. Um, I've, I've been dropping cash on this game. Like that's how hooked I am on MTG right now. I cannot believe how good it is. Where are you at? on the um on the deposits what's the amount conservative i've been conservative so far i haven't quite hit the hearthstone 800 just yet but i've dropped 50 bucks just to like just to crack a few packs i got the itch um and it's good i like for 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 what i have i have a freaking kick-ass vampire deck vampire token deck which i love playing um and i've got up my sleeve um you have you unlock these sort of um voucher cards where it's like you get an uncommon kind or a common and you can unlock any kind of common card with your common voucher and so on i've got like ultra rare and rare vouchers just like ready to go for when i find the next deck that i want to play but like again if ccgs if you've at all um wondered about what magic is but never wanted to get into it because maybe you were scared of the investment side or the complexity or whatever like this is the best way to play it in my opinion it just does such a great job of of making the experience fun enjoyable free-flowing and really easy to learn and understand i like i'm blown away by what wizards of the coast have done with um with the game and highly recommend that everyone get onto it I played a bit of Magic Jewels, which was the last digital version that they put out. Jewels of the Plain Walkers, yeah. Yeah. Like it was it was good, but it was it felt like more of a teaching tool than a standalone version of the game. Yeah, I've I've played a couple of those. They um I always felt that they were more single player focused. Um yeah. because you're you're playing with the AI and also it the um the block is very limited, like the packs you can purchase is very limited. Yeah. In MTG Arena, it's the current block. Um so Oh wow, okay. Yeah, so I I, oh, I can't even remember the names, but it's it's current block. It's the current standard format um, that you have is access it to. Ravnica and, now. Sorry, I'm just trying to work out what the latest set. It doesn't matter. Something to do with Ixalan. There's oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, Rivals of Ixalan. Yeah. yeah. Um. So at that, and then obviously the 2018 core sets available. Um. Yeah, it's it's really good. Like I again, I cannot rate it enough. The only problem I think at the moment. Um, not problem, but the only sort of limitation, it's only on Windows. So it's not on mobile. It's not on Android or iOS yet. And I think that that's, CCGs need to be on mobile. That's kind of where they really hit their stride and and where you get like greater adoption, I think. So I'd be interested to see how they get it onto onto iOS and Android. I can't imagine it'd be too complex. They'll probably just wait till they get out of the beta. But yeah, that's it. Like, it's so good. Um, I haven't seen you speak with that kind of enthusiasm on a game in quite some time. <laughs> I I was thinking the exact same thing. I, uh, <laughs> magic man, so it's detailed. Crack. It <laughs> is. It's it so is. Yeah. I just I'm a sucker for a good card game. Like I really enjoy good card games, and I've I've been um, like I've played the shit out of Hearthstone now, and it's yeah. kind of like I'm I'm kind of a little done with Hearthstone because it's it's I the same thing every expansion at all. Like, you didn't play Boomstay? I just don't think it added enough. Yeah, I, I did. I got the. I actually got um, Doctor Boob the the hero card. Yeah. Um, and built like a control warrior deck around it, and got so bored straight away. I think on day one, 
I like put a screenshot up on my Twitter. It was it was a mirror match like Control Warrior versus Control Warrior, and both of us had over eighty armor, just because we just kept popping like Doctor Boom's seven armor hero power thing, and it's like it's so oh. gross. Yeah, it's it's kind of and again like this is like where magic's really interesting is that um, because of the different phases, like when you choose to play cards is so vital. Yeah. Um, it's it's just such a great card game. Yeah, get on it people um get on just it. while you're talking about trading cards this is one of my favorite things so you guys know how the bitcoin trading platform is mount gox mm-hmm. you know where that came from no it's no. mtg ox it was the original like online trading platform for digital magic cards mtg online exchange <laughs> damn that was the infrastructure they used really damn yeah i need i need to reach out to them and find out why the cost of my litecoin just keeps falling <laughs> and falling and falling <laughs> Well, I love having those images of grandeur. It's like, yeah, if, if this pops, I reckon I could retire in a few years. Now it's like, no, oh, I've actually got to work harder now because my money's worth substantially less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bastards. Anywho, quick bit of housekeeping before we get into the news headlines for this week. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash we are 8-bit. We've got two new videos up there. We've got a half informed on episode one of Life is Strange 2. Available for your viewing pleasure from Sammy Deej. And we've also got a video review by John O'Peck on Mega Man 11 worth checking out. So youtube.com forward slash we are 8 bits. Also be sure to check out the hashtag 8bit collective for all the latest and greatest of 10 podcast outlets, 20 plus content creators. Luke Lancaster's I Speak Giant is one of many podcasts available for your listening pleasure available on the daily. And lastly... Want a new set of headphones or a sexy new USB microphone? I'm sure you all do. Well, fear not, as we are giving away both with thanks to Audio-Technica. Head on over to 8bit.net forward slash win to join our Gleam giveaway and go in the draw to win a set of M40X headphones and a limited edition blue AT2020 USB Plus microphone. Uh, sort of entries end in about 20-ish days, depending on when this episode comes out, but um, get in while you can. Uh, it's sort of going bananas. I think it's up to about 3,000-ish entries now, um, and we've still got 20 days to go. So you got to be in it to win it. It's a quick couple of checkboxes, retweets, follows, things and that, but 8bit.net forward slash win to win yourself over 400 bucks worth of audio-based equipment. On to the news. This week's news headlines. Okay, so Pearson name changes are officially coming. And this comes via way of Connor Sheridan at GamesRadar. PSN name changes have finally become a reality after years of being one of PlayStation's most requested features. The option to edit your screen name is coming to the PlayStation preview program, in quotes, soon, and will roll out to everyone next year. So, I put the question to yourselves. Will you be changing your PSN name? And if so, what would it be to? Ali, you start. Well, so PlayStation is the only console where I am not uniform. Mm. I am everywhere. Literally, when I say you can find me everywhere at Miss Ali Hart, you can. Except with this. <laughs> Except yeah. on PlayStation. Um, so I'm wondering if I just keep that, you know, amenity, not, you know, uniform, stay you know, elusive on PlayStation or if I just keep it keep it house name across the board. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'll just uh stay stay quiet on PlayStation. Mm. Maybe. What about yourselves, Luke? Dream, are you 
content with your respective PSN names? Um, is there is there a name you wish you picked to start with that now you could potentially get down the line next year? Or what do you reckon? Luke? Ah, okay. Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> sure. So this is like the most pedantic thing. Um, so the handle I usually go with is Strange Call. Like it's an anagram of LG Lancaster, just in case you were wondering. Um, but on PSN, it's a Strange Call. And I just want to drop oh. that A so bad. So bad. <laughs> That's cool. That's you you really better hope cool. it's available though. That's the other one too. I think I, um, I'll, I'll keep Salim TD, but I've had, I think in my career as a gamer, several identity changes throughout the years. Uh, I think as early as like, maybe I was 10 or 11 hitting up internet cafes to play like Counter-Strike. My first name was Bushwhacker, which was not at all... Um, dirty it was because i saw a sign bushwhacker pies and i was like all right well that's cool i'll just go with bushwhacker it had like a image a man of, after my heart had an image of like a road agent from the <laughs> outback i was like that's cool that seems cool it says that uh, well and you've had let me let me see if i can remember some marco renji yeah. valentine av yeah. free trump yeah <laughs> salim td they're the only ones i can remember yeah there's probably 50 more I changed it like every week in high school, but yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm settled on on Salim TD for now. Yeah, I I'm I want to change because I've my Australian ID is still Dirk Diggler. I had that <laughs> across pretty well every platform for a while, and and I don't know why, but if you think that's bad, when I first did my Xbox um, Live ID way back when, my original Xbox Live ID was Hyman Breaker. Yeah, I remember oh, that. Buddy. That was not your best day. No, and I don't even know why, but that's what it was for a little while. And then it upgraded to Dirk Diggler or maybe sideways to Dirk Diggler. And yeah, now everything's Brendan Typically all connecting, really. Yeah. yeah, there's a theme there. There's a theme. There is a theme. Maybe it's going to be Mr. Fluffer next time or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, so I will definitely be changing my PSN Australian name to Brendan 8-Bit just to get that uniformity across everything because i've got it on a us account at the moment and making purchase on that can be an absolute pain in the ass mm. so yeah yeah so it's, it's essentially just a group of people that just want to you know the names that they came up with when they were younger that they kind of regret now they just want to they want to keep their trophies they want to keep their scores and games and everything but they just need to get rid of that shameful name yeah. hymen breaker like hymen breaker <laughs> <laughs> Ah, never forget. Actually, never remember. Not never forget. Like that's, yeah, that's a that's a dark dark mark on my past. That one. Um, anywho, I, I guess continuing that smut based theme. Senran Kagura game delayed on the PlayStation Four after Sony request removal of intimacy mode, and this comes via way of Wesley Yin Pool at Eurogamer. Senran Kagura's Burst RE Newell's PlayStation 4 release has been delayed after Sony told the publisher to remove its intimacy mode. Senran Kagura Burst RE Newell is an anime-style video game about high school girl ninjas whose clothes are torn off. It carries a Peggy 16 rating in Europe, which is about an MA rating here equivalent in um, the Australian shores. Um, and then, so yeah, Peggy 16 rating in Europe for erotic activity and the use of sexual expletive. The intimacy mode in question lets players spray down and grope the girls. It is essentially a molesting underage girls mode. So, that's some shit. Um, 
our resident Senran expert, Miss Ali Hart, who um, I think you Hello. own just about every collector's edition and um, <laughs> DLC to, to this fabled franchise. How do you, is this justified? Because I, I don't really have much skin in, in this game. Um, thank God, because I'd probably be in jail. But um, what do you reckon? <laughs> the, the thing is, and this is not going to be a great point, um, <laughs> is that this all happens in the other games. Like, my favorite game is the cooking one, where you literally make food so good that you make the master so happy that he blasts their clothes <laughs> off them. And then they proceed to do a, uh, they have to do almost like a shameful uh, uh, naked pose at the end in dessert, like for losing. Um, So the point is, is that why was this one the bad one? Like uh, the Switch just released a game for Sanran Kagura where you massage the girls and, you know, you get given little tools, but you get to like sensually massage the girls, like massage their legs, you know, brush their arms or whatever. Um I like this one. the The main premise of the game is it's like a side scroller, like brawler kind of thing. But I think with this one, they're going to make it more like you know, open space. Um, so the intimacy mode, groping the girls, like spraying them down, is pretty standard. I can't remember the name of the the Senran Kagura game where it's, it's a summer one where you have water guns. Um, it didn't do too well because I don't think a lot of people could get on the server because I think it was online. It was overloaded. Um, <laughs> uh, well, and how. Um, but you were essentially using water guns and you were spraying down the girls. Um, and every element of the Sanrei Kugura games usually has an element where clothes are being removed. Mm. It's um, part of its charm, so I'm just some might why... say. Yeah, well, you know, or like, <laughs> charm. Um, I just don't, I guess the intimacy mode where groping them was too much for Sony, maybe? Yeah, like, like further to that, um, this isn't the first time they've sort of done a bit of this cleanup recommendation or refusal to release um super seducer which which came out just recently which is sort of a a pickup artistry game which is a little bit creepy um it got slapped before launch um omega labyrinth z was cancelled because of similar similar themes to senran i guess where there is sexually suggestive things with with young looking characters uh, so Sony, I, I, it is very much, I think, a, a PR and, and sort of, um, what, what's the word? Like it's a, like a safety. Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, they're, they're skeptical, I guess, to put their branding attached to games of this magnitude. So it, it's interesting. Um, as, as you said though, like these games have been like this since their inception and it's coming out unreleased or unedited on, um, on steam. So Valve don't have an issue with this, but uh, Sony just take oh, no, their gaming don't. a little bit more seriously. So uh, we'll see. So I'll be playing it on Steam to answer your question. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, have, hey, Luke, have, have you played any of these Senran games? No, no, I haven't. I was just going to say, though, like once Hymen Breakers freed up, are you going to jump on that alley? Or? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, yeah, maybe. I, I can still not be Miss Elliot. I'll just be Hymen yeah. Breaker. Uh, You have an encyclopedic knowledge of these games. It is always impressive to hear you talk about smutty games. It's ridiculous. I love them. I love them. They're so good. A good change of pace from, like, you know, Destiny. I I have no issue with smutty games, but, like, this is, like, a proper classification discussion in Australia as well because, like, it's the two things that the classification board takes really, really seriously is drug use and sexual violence in games. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm surprised this is getting a release here and not just, like, straight-up RC. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm assuming off the back of removing the uh, 
the intimacy mode they they've done enough to to appease the the classification boards but we'll see um australia's always been a very interesting hotbed for these types of types of uh discussions with more controversial games so we'll see maybe maybe it gets gets just banned over here straight off the bat so yeah steam steam will be the the uh the place for senran kagura enthusiasts moving forward actually no steam's been affected by a lot of the uh stuff as well damn in regards to yeah anyway Mm. on on a much more positive note ninja theory announces hellblade inspired scholarship to fund mental health training this comes via way of emma kent at eurogamer and the article reads those who played hellblade senua's sacrifice will know that the game delivers a powerful depiction of psychosis the main protagonist senua deals with horrific visions and voices she embarks on a quest into hell to recover the soul of her dead lover in order to achieve an accurate portrayal of psychosis, Ninja Theory spent three years working with neuroscientists and mental health experts to inform their research for Sen- Senua's sacrifice. Many of these were from the Cambridge and Petersburg NHS Foundation Trust. And to mark this year's World Mental Health Day, the developer is working with the organization to create a scholarship program for mental health training. Senua's scholarship will help fund a student to train at Cambridge Recovery College East to become a mental health tutor and achieve a professional training qualification. Mental health tutors carry out important work showing people the possibility of life beyond diagnosis. In addition, the scholarship will also provide the student with an opportunity to look at a new career or return to an old career following a diagnosis of or significant sort of mental health challenge. So that's fantastic. Um, I, mm-hmm. I've played Hellblade, um, talked about it in, in great lengths on, on previous episodes. Have any of yourselves played this this gem um, that came out on on the PlayStation late last year? Have you got any any feedback from your experience with the game, or maybe just general thoughts on on this article? If not, um, I I personally didn't play it. I watched some people play it, and I saw the elements of the game which actually might have bothered me a little mm. bit. The whole like whispering and voices. Um, so I didn't play it. I do want to, but I think I'm gonna have to do the whole headphones off experience which apparently it was encouraged you you definitely need to play it with them on i feel um it does bring with it a sense of unease doing that because they did the full three-dimensional sound with their recording you watch a lot of the dev diaries and the the voice actors are you know walking around the microphone at different depths from the mic to give you those whispers and and sort of senses of psychosis or instability in your head as you're playing and it's it's intense Mm. it's very tough and dread inducing and eerie and a whole host of other other sort of emotions that come to mind but what about you luke have you played hellblade have you have you experienced much with the game maybe secondhand watching people play no like for me it was i haven't actually had a chance to get around to it yet for me it was all just kind of um social media response but i think the idea that they're going to that length to represent mental health this is just almost a serious games discussion um Mm. like how realistic does it need to get what does it need to reflect but i'm all for it really like Mm -hmm. that kind of depth and emotion and attention to detail in what they're doing is is huge 100 percent. like you could see this was more than just a a game for for ninja theory it was a passion project which which had a lot of care and a lot of attention to detail with putting this together and, and respecting uh, some of the source material that was that they were trying to convey with you know Senua's struggles in the game, um, and and I guess it's nice to see because video games is 
a, a regular tool for for escapism and things like that with people dealing with 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 issues in in their life so it's it's nice to see that there is some some common thread there getting connected and and they're making it more of a, a you know making it more globally aware mm. yeah it's 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 honestly good that they actually did take a lot of consideration and study in what um they were trying to convey in the game um because i know that some like some publishers some people like who try to represent a certain illness or ailment just by saying oh it's this Mm. they've got this without really looking into what you know they should be expressing so i think this was a great way for them to also convey disorder have start a discussion get it out there um and now that they're even moving forward in you know getting people educated and better understanding is it's it's great it's definitely what the gaming community needs. We just need more focus. 100%. 100%. Dream, what do you reckon? Uh, I never played this game. Um, but I, I think, yeah, probably following on what, with what you're saying, Luke, um, you, you couldn't really escape the social media response, um, which to me uh, all, always read as the Ninja Theory treated um, the, the mental health issues that it's discussing in a really dignified and respectful way. Um, and in a way where it, it did kind of, uh, I guess, continue conversation around mental health um, issues and, and particularly how they're represented in video games and, 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 and amongst gamers themselves. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is only ever going to be, a, a, you know, a good thing um, to, to, again, be, uh, I guess, training people and, and, um, and, again, raising awareness around mental health issues. It makes me think I, um, not, not a shameless plug at all, but Jono, um peck did a, a really good episode with with your friend luke dr jen hazel on putting it in work recently mm-hmm. and that's definitely worth giving a listen to um jen runs um checkpoint which is uh which is a fantastic organization that runs here in australia and that deals with mental health and and, and they'll you know they're everywhere um so definitely go and check them out uh they'll be at pax too this year as well yeah, and absolutely and again uh, generosity which um which uh, our friends are of course doing at pax so uh, the the money um that they're raising is going to that organization too so yeah definitely give them a look mm-hmm. yeah um checkpoints actually our charity this year so all the money we raise even with child's play which is uh, pax's affiliated charity it's all going to checkpoint mm. well that's fantastic. So they're doing that's they're awesome. doing amazingly important work no it's really good to see and, and hopefully this has got a nice positive ripple effect through the gaming space as a whole. Like Ninja Theory, they're a small team. Um, and to be able to sort of dedicate this amount of time and focus to a topic like this, and now that they're under the Microsoft banner, maybe that will further enhance getting those messages out there to the, to the mass audience as well. Hmm. Okay, shifting gears. Diablo 3 is reportedly getting cross-play. And this comes via Brian Barnett at IGN. It seems Diablo 3 will join the growing list of games to support cross-platform multiplayer. In an interview with Business Insider Australia, Blizzard Entertainment representative said the studio is, in quotes, actively working with partners at Sony and Microsoft to enable cross-console play with Diablo 3 on Switch, in quote. Although PC was not explicitly mentioned and no targeted release date was announced, the representative assures fans, in quotes, it's a question of when, not if, end quote. So cross-platform, left, right and centre... I'm still yet to play a Diablo game ever. But now, or maybe when this happens, you know, it's it's the perfect point of entry for me because I can play with anybody on any platform, you know, touch wood. If you bloody play it, I'm more than happy to play it 
Anytime that you say, if you want to play Diablo, you know just let it, me know. I'll it makes me, me think, Ali, you can now play with yourself on all of the platforms that you own Diablo 3 on. Excuse me? Um, <laughs> Sorry, <yeah>. all right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Does D3 have cross-save? Uh, not at this stage. If it did, that would be magical. Um, maybe that might be the first step where it would be between the PC and the Xbox One would probably allow cross-save, like a Play Anywhere equivalent, but I doubt they'll mm. port that save across Sony to Nintendo and vice yeah, versa. I, I guess that's just um, like just to bring it back to Destiny for a second. Like I've got a PS account and a PC account, and the fact that I have characters locked to platforms is the biggest frustration in the world. It sucks. Yeah. Like, I would happily buy it on another platform. Well, I did, but... If my characters were accessible on any platform because it was just my Bungie account, wh- why doesn't that exist? Like, mm. it's 2018, guys. I need cross-save. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to, over the next 18 months or so, we're going to see more of this sort of cross-play. Obviously, Sony stepped up to the party recently on the back of Fortnite's success and, yep. and hearing things like Diablo. Uh, Rocket League is another one. Uh, things like that. So... Yeah, I don't think it's going to become, it's going to hit sort of every major title, but something like a Destiny 2, which is a massive sort of tentpole IP, yeah. it could lend itself to that. And using that sort of Blizzard or Battle.net backbone maybe would mm. be a nice way to have cross-save cross, cross save where well, you are it, using that yeah. as the handshake. So It makes sense. Like, they're doing that with Hearthstone already. Um, hmm. But it makes sense as you find games going more and more to, like, the games as a service model, where it's just always online... Mm-hmm. connected to a server locked accounts the fact that it's still console locked as well as account locked it something's got to give mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah it's ridiculous actually speaking of diablo did you hear about how um they released some merchandise for some diablo related project called diablo reign of terror last night Ooh, i did um, not i did not yeah so there was a mention that they actually released some merchandise and um some posters and it just says diablo reign of terror um so assuming that it's going to be announced at blizzcon which is coming up mm-hmm. but I th- people are assuming that it might have been an accidental drop or well that's that's no. not far away that that's sort of literally tailing on the back of of pax australia like i think blizzcon runs from around the second or the third of november yeah i think it's um, i think it's the week after it was last year and i'm mm. assuming it's similar timing yeah so we'll see some see some chaos there uh but yeah, yeah. Some new diablo content crossplay slowly but surely chipping away um and and you know a company like like blizzard they are one of the pillars of the gaming industry so they've got a lot of weight that they can put behind things like this um harkening back to even the responses from bethesda yeah where they want to go the cross-platform play but they're meeting some resistance and like through the sony channel the first guys to do it are going to get such a bump as well like if they get cross-plat on overwatch and i know that there's an issue you know, controller versus KBM, that kind of thing. But um, I think it is actually... Is it Fortnite that does it where you can opt out of playing with PC users if you're on console? Yeah, Fortnite can do it. And uh, recently as well, the Xbox One confirmed that it's got KB support coming any day now. Yeah. So so you could level the playing field in that regard too. Overwatch would be a perfect game for cross-platform. And it, and it could... I reckon it could happily run on the Switch too. But... You know, that's a story for another day. Uh, probably a story mm. for BlizzCon, but we'll see how that mm. goes. Yeah! Oh, is that a little little uh, spoiler there? No, that's just a guess. 
Calculated guess. Okay, so the last bit of news, not really a headline or whatnot, but I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Dead Space, uh, who turned 10 years old this week. So EA Redwood Studios, who then went on to become Visceral Games, dropped this horror gem on the PC, Xbox 360, and PlayStation 3, way back when on October 13th, 2008. I love this wow. franchise. Uh, it scared the absolute shit out of me, roaming around Isaac Clark uh, as Isaac Clark and, and fighting all kinds of nightmare fuel on those space stations. Uh, did you guys play Dead Space? Any any sort of fandom attached to that title? Or yeah, I think I played ten minutes of it until I got scared and stopped playing. <laughs> like way back when it came out, kind of thing. It was it was solid. Like mm-hmm. I I'm a fan of the survival horror kind of style games. It was good. I yeah. don't think I've thought about it since then, but it was good. Mm. there's just one moment that lives with me in dead space 2 to this day where you've got to pretty much push a needle through your eye to activate a door opening and you've got to line up the the needle with your eye and sort of mash a combination of buttons and you see this thing coming in and then just punches through your retina um and yeah that that lives with me to to this day so uh shout out to visceral games rest in peace visceral games um which still makes no sense to me but this gaming industry is a fickle beast. Dream, you play Dead Space? Uh, not as far as I know and absolutely no love for survival horror and I'll do my best <laughs> to stay away from it for as long as I possibly can. Oh, come on, man. You call a Cthulhu game coming out. you got to get on board. I do yes. not sit well with horror, dude. I like uh, survival horror games. I don't sit well. I can watch the film, like movies, horror films. It's fine, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's a completely different thing when you're in control. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Sam. I, physi- I you. physically feel ill and get chest pains and stuff. It's stressful. It's anxiety-driven. Yeah, for I sure. I think it's mm-hmm. one of my most memorable gaming moments is back in like the GameCube days when the Resi remake first hit. Yeah. It's so, that was my reason for buying a GameCube, that game alone. Uh, like me and a mate playing double that dash? Um, in a, like a pitch black room at like two in the morning scared the shit out of us. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, and and I like that you've segued to that. Can can you confirm or deny if Resident Evil Two Remake's going to be at PAX? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! Because if that's the case, I, I'm just going to like do that booth on rotation. Like I'll just play the demo, go back, do it again, play it, go back, do it again. Like, um, I will say they had a sick setup at PAX West. They actually made like the Raccoon City Police Station, and like you could go into the police station. That was the booth, and they had like behind closed doors demos it was really good they did it did they have people in zombie makeup as well because i watched some tokyo game show footage where they had a yeah sort of a pseudo raccoon police station as well but all these people in in zombie cosplay and everything else um they did a great booth for seven i remember the one they did for seven um was like it was a haunted house it was really terrifying you go in there and you play the demo i think it is and yeah, it's they're, they're so cool, but oh, I just don't want to do it. I don't know. The terrifying games, genuinely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can, can you confirm or deny any VR-based horror experiences at PAX? Uh, yeah, actually, one of our showcase winners, Infliction. Um, yes, yeah, I kickstarted Infliction. I'm super hyped for that. It comes out in like two weeks. So good, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely get down and play the demo. There is a VR and a non-VR version. But this thing is Australian PT. It is so good. 
yeah yeah let's we'll get some game cap of that in the vr at pax because i haven't i've downloaded the demo but yeah i haven't played yet because i just wanted to wait for the full experience and yeah it comes out in two weeks looks good though holy crap it looks scary it looks like just graphically it is stunning but it is it is such a terrifying game Mm. infliction yeah i'm gonna google it after this i'm pretty sure i've got two copies from the kickstarter so if you want one miss hart i'll send you one okay and i'll send you my soiled pants (laughs) i don't know what i'll do with those but thank you send rankaguru bonus content there (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness that's perfect Okay, so that that was the news that was this week. Is there anything any of you three wanted to bring up, say, before we start closing this episode down for another week? I guess we're just talking about packs. Obviously, keep an eye on our socials because a lot of the 8-Bit crew will be walking around. So um, if you want to say hey, be sure to say hey um, and just keep an eye out for uh, things like events, um, if we're out and about having a drink or doing a meetup and then also for the panels and everything else that we'll be on. So um, definitely keep an eye out on the social medias around that time. 100%. And we'll have actually some limited edition merch that we may or may not give away at the event as well, um, which will only be available via packs and then via other select channels after the event. But it's I've seen the design and it looks the sex. Hmm. The Senran Kagura the sex. sex. No, oh, we wow. don't want to attach ourselves to that smut. It looks wholesome. We already have. And I'm here. Get yourselves a Hyman Breaker T-shirt. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think Designed by Humans would allow that one to. It be should resolved. just be like a <laughs> list of all of Brendan's handles crossed out until you get to like Brendan Eight Bit, like Hyman Breaker, Dirk Diggler, <laughs> oh. whatever it is in between. Oh. We're working on this, Brendan. We're doing it. Yeah. Oh, let's make it a jersey. Dream. What about you? Um, Anything. Yeah, no, look, only, only again, echoing what Ali's saying, we've got panels um, that we are planning or participating in at PAX, which we're really excited about. Party mode, um, 8 p.m. on Saturday night. Brendan, the, the, before you go live, when's that again? That's 3.30 p.m. on the Saturday. And that's, that's a great panel. So you've got yourself, Jono. Um, Matt from Audio Technica yep. and a couple of content creators. Uh, and we'll be talking about the... The do's and don'ts of, of sort of audio audio recording and, and setups for entry level all the way to expert uh, content creators or budding content creators from podcasting, YouTube, or streaming in general. So it'll be a, a nice accessible panel, um, which you should take a lot out of. Definitely. And then Saturday, no, Sunday afternoon, come watch me kick the absolute shit out of seven other people in Mario Tennis, in a, in a Mario <laughs> Tennis tournament which I'm excited to play in. Um, I haven't played Mario Tennis in quite some time, so I've got to get some practice in to uh, live up to that little bit of slander I just threw. So You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I've got faith in you. Um, PAX. PAX is, is really what it's all about at the moment. Super excited. Luke, thanks for coming on, mate. No, thank you for having me, guys. This was fun. And anything you want to say before we uh, part ways for episode 124? Just what you guys have been saying. Make sure you follow like the pack social accounts. We'll flag when stuff is coming up. Download the app. It's the best way to like get your schedule all booked in. Get push notifications when stuff's coming up, so you don't miss out on anything you wanted to see. Uh, it's it's going to be a super fun three days. If you haven't got tickets, make sure you buy tickets because they are selling out fast. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's going to be good. Well, look, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Um, can be found at LG Lancaster. Dream can be found at Salim TD. 
Ali can be found at Miss Lily Hart, and I can be found at Brendan 8Bit, the collective as a whole, at We Are 8Bit, or that hashtag 8Bit Collective. But until next week, 8Bit Nation, much love. Stay You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8-Bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry.